of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Sex for smart people. That means you. Oh, hi. Hello. Welcome to Sex for Smart People. Woo. I'm Stephanie, and I use the pronouns she or they. I'm Dave, and my preferred pronoun is he. Hello, my name is Jimena Almendares, and my preferred pronoun is she. Hi. We are joined today on episode 23 uh, with Jimena Almendares, who is the chief product officer at OkCupid, of which you have heard. Um, uh, and... Uh, uh, is that the front lines of querying the OkCupid algorithm? Which at, of which you may have heard non-binary awesome options and badass having and come to OkCupid. Kind of, it's about time, but mostly hooray, Kimena. <laughs> we are so excited to have you here. Yes. Thank you so much. Super um, excited to be here. And the first thing we ask on Sex for Smart People is, what is your relationship to relationships? <laughs> uh, so, you know, on a personal note, I'm on a long-term relationship with my partner um, of five years, uh, female, and. Uh, in terms of relationships, I would say it's also my my job on the one hand, of course, being a chief product officer of OkCupid. But in the past, I've worked at Meetup, which is enabling people to meet around similar interests. I've also worked around um, Zynga, so games, Facebook, social networks, Eventbrite events. So yeah, a lot of uh, sites that enable people to form relationships. Hooray. <laughs> um, what is particularly about social networking that has driven you to want to pursue that as your uh, as the product that you are chief officing? <laughs> uh, I think that on the one hand is the interest around technology. Um, I've always been super techie and I think I just landed in social networking. I don't know. So in tech, basically you have either B2C or B2B companies. B2C is business to consumer and then B2B it's uh, like businesses like Oracle or whatever. I've always been more interested around people and I think it was much more on how do you get someone to use a device and they don't think about it as a product, they think about a way to do things. And I think it's much more of the subtility of creating an experience. And for me, for instance, I know that in OkCupid, I'm sorry, if people upload a photo, it, it, they will have more likelihood of coming back the next day. So it's how do we make those things easier for them and with them, without them knowing that we put a lot of effort on making things easier for mm -hmm. them, we actually create a better experience for them. Sure. And Jimena, as we were talking before, I'm so excited and inspired by the changes that are going on Yay! on OkCupid. Um, and um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that. And then also, I just, I get the sense as we talked that OkCupid is doing, is querying the algorithm largely because it's like the right thing to do, not even because it's the smartest business decision, which makes me really excited. Yes, Um I remember that when I actually accepted the offer, I was talking with a really good friend uh, who told me, Jimena, if you join OkCupid, you just should be aware that this is something that needs to happen. And um, I promised him that I would do it. So here's a shout out for to you, Jack. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Yes. And I remember, so I arrived to the US, I'm Mexican. I guess later on we can go into that. But um, I arrived to the U.S. and I remember at the beginning just uh, looking at OkCupid and looking to the fact that people could tag themselves as gay or lesbian, bisexual. And I remember that at the, at the beginning I thought that was really interesting. Unfortunately, over time it seemed that OkCupid lost the edge that we had versus a match or other companies um, in terms of being just much more progressive. And coming in, of course, not everyone will 
tag themselves in any non-binary either in terms of orientation or gender. But at the same time, not because the percentage was small, did it mean that it had to be less important. So for instance, we actually offered in terms of orientations questioning as an option. And the reason why we did that was because we want to... For example, like gay, straight, queer, bisexual questioning. Yes, <laughs> asexual and many other orientations. On the one hand, it was to offer a broad spectrum because people need to define themselves with the language that they want to use. And on the other one, because we wanted to make the point that if you're, you know, 18 years old and you're looking at online dating, all of a sudden the fact that there's an option to say questioning, it just makes mm. it okay. And th I think that's what matters, that it's a small decision by a product, but all of a sudden it's not a weird thing. It's just a th an extra thing that you can add to your personality profile, just like, you know, that you have dogs or whatever it is. For some people, that's the thing that defines them. For other ones, it's just something that they want to add because it's who they are. And the fact that for all, all of us it became an option, it just makes it that it's a, a language that people can see. And even for straight users, the fact that now they can see all these things in the profile made people even much more, um, just be curious about things. For instance, in my profile, it says queer and sapiosexual. And all of a Me sudden, <laughs> and that means that you're turned on by um, intellect. And, you know, what I, I thought was funny is that all of a sudden there were all these blog posts ask, asking what that was. And if ever, I thought that was great because it just allows people to be much more um, aware of the differences and what is out there. Mm -hmm. um, uh I, so I, I think I, it's fair to say, in full disclosure, that um, I am also employed by OkCupid. Uh, and I, I, I think I'm a technically an a independent contractor. But yes, I make my living being paid by OkCupid. I think I should say that. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I answer emails. I am not, you know... I'm not chief of anything, um, but the so what what I'm seeing as um in the on the internet feedback from the new um, orientations and genders, what I've seen is, but it's it's heartening to see that um, but it's so the same thing is heartening, disheartening. The thing I have seen come in for opprobrium is sapiosexual that that's being taken to to task for being a sign of privilege and flippant and silly and whatever. But it's like in a way. Uh, thank goodness it's not queer, trans, questioning, asexual. Like, th like thankfully those things aren't coming under assault. Hmm. But um, that that's that's a sign of progress. But also, why 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 pick on sapiosexual? Why is that the one that's coming under assault from so many people that I would normally otherwise agree with? I mean, I've obviously read the blog post around that. I think that you know it was a little bit more of the tag that was out there. Um, for us, OkCupid okay was founded by math majors. So we've always been kind of nerdy. So it almost made sense that if we're a quirky site, it would make uh, it would be part of the options that we allow. Um, but I think what it's great, actually, just going back to your point, there's most of the users that have chosen different tags. They cho chose, for instance, queer. But there's also many users that choose more than three. And the one, especially sapiosexual, is a tag that also straight users, for instance, could could use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just think about like what you're saying about even like high schoolers joining the site. I think we were talking about this a little bit the other day. That um, and even somebody who is totally cisgendered and straight and will be their whole life just 
going on a mainstream site and seeing all of the different options or be more than one or be all of them or be is that's so powerful I think and I'm really excited that that's happening yeah so the beginning it was not easy and it was a journey that did not start with me actually a lot of people friends in common James Stewart and other people within the company that have really been leading this within Mm. Um, in this case it was just more of a priority do we want to make this happen now or later And, you know, again, I thought that it was important. Of course, we never want to make things even more complex for people that identify in a binary spectrum or Mm -hmm. that are straight, because obviously that's more of most of our users. But at the same time, so what we agreed was that we would try it out. We would try to make an experience that if you are male and you are straight and you're searching for women, that would not be a problem. But at the same time, if you were bisexual or any other orientation, on the one hand, on sexual orientation and gender identification, you could also find yourself there. And the other thing that we tried to do was, on the one hand, how to allow you to find other people to find you, because if we made things very specific, it could actually hurt you in the sense that, for instance, um, if you were tagged as asexual, you could not be found by other people. Because if you think about OkCupid, okay, it's not about identifying yourself, but it's also about other people finding you. Mm-hmm. And the other one that we tried to also keep was... Um, creating the space for people to find each other. So for instance, if I am tagged, say, as asexual, can I find other asexual people? And potentially it's not really necessarily for a relationship, but say, you know, if I want to start messaging them, I can also find community there. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're so far, um, this is actually not yet uh, 100% out there in all platforms. It's something that we're working on, but it's definitely something that we're committed to already every single new user will be able to tag themselves with all the all these different diversity in terms of orientations and genders. Um, and it's something that we're moving forward. And so far we have gotten really good feedback from all the spectrum, including straight people. Hooray! That's so wonderful. And for those who are clamoring for this, um, what uh, what's the projected date for when this will be available to all users? So the next thing that we're working on is on our mobile platforms right now where you can make all the adjustments. It's on the desktop platform. Um, If you only use an app, you need to actually log into a desktop site so that you can edit them. But they are reflected on also mobile devices. So for instance, if you're registered on desktop and that's where you did all the different selections of the tags, anyone on a mobile device will be able to see them. They will not just be able to change their settings themselves on that mobile device. So that's the next thing that we're doing and that we're going to make a a big rollout because we also want to explain why it matters and give some numbers around it as we always do. Um, So it's definitely something that we're already working on. Hooray. And I can tell you that uh, if you email customer support, we'll send you a link so you can opt in now. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to get in on it early. (laughs) Yay. And what... um, There's there's so much cool stuff swirling around. Like, what, what makes you, like personally passionate about this stuff and this track that you're on? Uh, That goes more to a personal story. And sometimes, you know, when you're in a professional environment, it's not something that you necessarily talk about. But I think that um, having heard different podcasts, there's a lot of sharing and personal stories that uh, make this podcast special. So my story is that um, I grew up in Mexico uh, where I was actually an ice skater. I was a... Whoa! <laughs> I, I was a three-time national ice skating champion. Whoa! <laughs> Can we do a triple look? 
I could do triples, not the <laughs> lots, but different triples. Sao cow. Sao cow. Yes, actually, I could do that one. <laughs> it's the best word, sao cow. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, we don't need to go super into that, but that was kind of like my childhood, just being inside an ice skating rink. Um, then I decided that I. I went to this um, big um, scholarship through the UNESCO that made me see Bolivia and other countries travel for the first time because when you're ice skating, you basically spend all your free time inside an ice skating rink. <laughs> um, so I, I, I quit ice skating and then I was like, okay, I'm actually going to go see the world. I started learning French, started university in Mexico. And then I could barely speak French, but I actually somehow got accepted to this really good school that's called Sciences Po in Paris. Um, went there and at first I told my parents that I was going to go for six months. Those six months turned into a year, which then turned into them accepting me to do a master's degree to me, <laughs> telling my parents, well, I'm actually just going to quit school in Mexico and just transfer to this French school and just finish there, which then led to an internship in a German company, um, which led to also in, at school meeting my ex-partner, um, a German man, and uh, staying there for life. I, well, I mean, for what that was, what I thought would be the rest of my life, I lived nine years in Europe. And I was in a very different track. And now I'm going back to your initial question. At some point, I got bored about what I was doing, which was um, management consulting. And I decided that I really liked tech and that I had not yet lived in the U.S. and that I really needed to make a change in my life. Mm. So I applied to different business schools, got accepted to several. And together with him, we moved to the U.S. And that was a big change because at that point I thought, well, I might actually not be only straight. And what I realized is that I had to go in through a journey because I had assumed myself straight all the time and just growing up in Mexico, I remember that when I told my parents, they said, be careful about AIDS. And it's true that only the only people that we knew gay were, uh, was one of my, um, was a hairdresser who died of AIDS. And that's all I knew. Um, mm. So I remember that at the very beginning, I actually joined the LGBT club at MIT just because I needed to meet other gay people and just find out if that was my people and how would I feel about it. This before it. you were out? Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. I mean, I was at the since the very beginning very open about it, but I didn't really even know how to define myself or what did it mean, because at that point we had been married for about five years. And again, this person was like the best person ever. Um, so basically, I went through the whole journey, just deciding that I needed to just really find out what it meant and that I couldn't. Um, years down the line have a life that didn't feel like mine just because I didn't have the courage to make the decision. That seemed mm -hmm. really difficult at the time. Uh, unfortunately, actually, MIT is a great uh, place where they're very supportive. They have, you know, a lot of um, different supports from uh, psychologists to all the team that was around that actually allowed me a lot of flexibility to explore what did it mean. And the, the interesting story is that I, as I was going through the process at first, I thought, well, what will that mean? Because all my classmates and peers, will they make assumptions about um, me changing my orientation to it, meaning that I would not be um, just committed to things. I, I don't know. It was just weird in my mind. As what if I it was thought. a change, not a, not a, a realization or an opening? Or? It, it was just that I didn't know how they would accepted. And I think that was um, one of the biggest questions, like what would the world think about me? And what it ended up, uh, what I decided to do was that 
after I went through all of this, that I needed to be upfront and just very, um, I've always been really open about my life. And the reason was that a lot of the people that I would meet throughout, they would go back to their countries and they could actually have a stake at deciding, for instance, if the same sex partners can have the same rights, etc. Mm. And it's so easy, especially as a woman, and I guess that I shouldn't really say that, but um, it can be really easy to be in the closet or just go through your life without necessarily talking about it. But I, I thought that if ever I could at least be one of the people that they could remember when making those decisions, it would be really important. Mm. So that is why, you know, now I'm, whenever anyone asks me, I don't mind sharing it because I think that it's important that, you know, either in tech, being a woman or a foreigner or queer, it's important to just, be out there because other people wouldn't know any. For instance, there's a newer generation um, of women uh, even questioning if they can be out in the workplace. It can be like, well, actually, I remember hearing this podcast or just hearing about this person mm -hmm. and therefore it's okay. So all of these ties it together. Um, we did actually a welcome campaign at MIT that was called You're Welcome Here that we actually created with a group of people then that we shared with all the professors and students at school. And the reason was that we I actually remember specifically talking about transgender students because we would have a lot of professors from outside the US mm -hmm. that were not very aware of how to even treat with those things. And you have so many people at school that are just dealing with that, right? Even from, do you need to have bathrooms that are for you know all gen the genders spectrum? So we made it an, an information leaflet that we just started sharing and there would be these stickers that now professors have all along the hallways in their doors that says, you're welcome here. Yeah. And we ended up actually winning an award um, from all MIT about this campaign. And it's really fun now going back to school. I still see those stickers in the doors. So that was a very important thing. Um, and I think that's where it, my commitment towards just being more aware of the differences because Again, coming from a place where I didn't know about the differences, I think made it much more of a journey for me. But the other one is that fortunately, you know, it hasn't been too long. I guess it's been five years now. And just seeing that I was from the place where I was a Mexican, not really knowing how to identify myself to now being a doki cupid and being able to actually make some of these decisions, mm -hmm. just show that I think as long as you're feeling good about yourself and the commitments that you're, you're doing and just, uh, you know, just being really thorough and honest, somehow things work out. So I'm now fortunate to be able to be in a position where I can ha make, have that impact. Mm. Awesome. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for being up for sharing that. I totally, it's so inspiring those those of us who are in a position to be more out and then making that like I think that like every 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 bit of of honesty like you said makes it at least a little bit easier on the rest of the world yay yay <laughs> yeah and I think that's why it's interesting for instance now I don't even think about it just like the fact that I'm a woman or when I talk about my partner, I often uh, say her name at the office and I find it's it's such a privilege to be able to make decisions. I remember when I was interviewing, I would be so open about that and I almost didn't think about it. I think on the one hand, I, it was because I wanted to be very upfront so that if ever the company just, it was not a cultural fit, you know, <laughs> we could almost... Um, no, right off the bat. And right. 
Um, but it's, it is a privilege when we're traveling to different countries. We travel a lot. Uh, sometimes there's things that we can do or cannot do, like hold hands. Um, and we live in a very privileged world, but at the same time, it's interesting to have that awareness to know that it is still a privilege. And unfortunately, not everyone has access to that freedom. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for being here, Jimena. We're and excited to have you here. I think on to listener questions. Woo! Question one. Pew, 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 pew. They're back. Laser sound effects are Laser back. Laser sound effects are back. <laughs> Stephanie and Dave and Jimena. It's not in there, but I'm going to assume. I need a pep talk about online dating, and I hope you can give me one. You say you have met some really important people in your lives in OkCupid. I've been trying for years to no avail. My profile and pictures are good. I reach out to people that I dig. What am I not thinking of? How can I make the most out of it? Hmm. I would say the first part, obviously, I don't know your profile, but um, first of all, Congratulations on trying. I think that the biggest step is just to put yourself out there and reach out to people. We have done studies in terms of what are the best messages. So um, we see that a lot of, for instance, male users, and again, this is, would be a stereotype, but here's why I'm saying this. Male users tend to message women more and women tend to be much more selective in terms of their answers. And of course, there's not just two genders, but this is the insights of the data that we have had before we open all the gender spectrum. So assuming uh, you're a man, a lot of the men users they tend to send messages like, hey, babe, or whatever it is as an opening line. And you need to be very aware about how you come across because women tend to receive a lot of messages, get a lot of attention. So what we've seen is that the extremes are not ideal. So for instance, when users um, write very long emails, they tend to not have answers. When they just um, write something like, hey, babe, they will neither. So it's much more in between and usually referencing someone from the profile. And just something about that just caught your attention tends to be really good. But I would say it's almost like going to a bar and just trying to talk with people. It's not easy. Um, sometimes it happens right away. Sometimes it takes a little bit more time. The other good piece of advice would be you need to represent yourself as you are. Sometimes it's a bit difficult when, you know, people want mm. to just have a great profile and they might, you know, write the, that picture of 20 years ago when they looked super, you know, whatever they think that was the best representation of themselves. And then they show up to a date and there's a little bit of a disconnect. So what we see is that, you know, one thing that we get is an email of all the matches where people tell us, this is the user that we got matched with and the other person also sends the same name. And what I love is that we have all ages, all genders, all races, and it's not just the people that you would see in magazines that you would say, oh, this person is pretty, that it's getting matched to other pretty person. Not at all. It's much more about people that seem to have found each other. So again, what I would say is like, congratulations to you on trying this. Try to be as authentic as you can. And then, you know, sending short emails that are very specific towards why you send something, have more likelihood of getting an answer. Yeah, I would say that the other, um, Christian Rutter wrote a uh, blog post about this a couple of years ago that had the six things to really up your chances of hearing back in OkCupid. I've read this so many times to people. So the six things are use an unusual greeting. Even mm. just like howdy is already more interesting. Be literate. So do not use NetSpeak. Don't use the letter U for the word U. Um, the only sort of NetSpeak that works though is LOL. LOL does yes, work. and ha ha ha. Ha 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 also works because oh, people like to have people have a sense of humor. Um, uh, don't make physical compliments. If you are male, be self-effacing. 
um, and consider becoming an atheist. <laughs> I think there's one more that <laughs> really? I think. Oh, and bring up specific interests and consider becoming an atheist. Where do you think that comes from? I, the, the data show, according to Christian, at least at that time, that uh, bringing up atheism had a significantly higher response rate than bringing up any other religious language. That's so interesting, and I wouldn't guess that. Yeah. There's another one that is very important for us. It's also how do you increase your match percentage? What people don't know is that that match percentage works in terms of the number of questions that you have answered. So the more questions you, you answer, the more likelihood you are to have a higher percentage match with mm. someone. And what you don't know either is that we actually uh, put people on the top that have a higher percentage. So if you have, say, have answered very few questions, all your match percentages will be very low and therefore you will not appear on uh. the top. So not only is it because we can better craft the matches, also because you have more chances of having higher matches. So we actually just launched uh, or will be launching a new feature which allows users on their mobile device to answer questions with just a swipe. To the right is yes and to the no, to the left is no. And that allows them, it's actually a little game that we will be releasing soon where we have 30 seconds and people can answer as many questions as possible. And then immediately we see the results of people that fit who they're looking for in terms of their... Um, orientation and age, et cetera, that are close by and who have us answered in a very similar way. So that mm. would be a really fun way to answer as many questions as possible and immediately see who's a good match. Oh, cool. So but, maybe this person is already writing right. awesome messages but hasn't answered yeah. any questions. But also let's, so answer questions. But also let's, let's say that this person is doing everything right, right? They, they, they craft good messages according uh -huh. to the OkCupid data. They've answered all of the questions um, they are honest and upfront in their profile and it's still not happening. What then? Some perspective. From, so this person references that it's true. Dave and I have talked a lot about having very positive experiences on OkCupid. And let me share about my journey with OkCupid. I joined in early 2009 specifically because I was very interested in dating women and I was terrible at like meeting women in real life and dating them. And so I was like, got it, may, may as well be, you know, put that out there too. Um, you also didn't speak Czech at that point in your life, which at that point <laughs> in your life was kind of problematic. Sure, I was also living in the people. Czech Republic. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but so between 2009 and now almost... Uh, 2015. So like I've been on for over five years and um, I have been on a total of definitely fewer than 15 dates in that time. I think more like 10 to 12 and about so seven of those people are very significant people in my life and some that I'm dating, one that I am building a life partnership with, um, um, but uh, some that I dated for a minute and then now I'm dear friends with, but also some people that I'm, I've just been friends with, like the algorithm, if I'm 99% match, I probably want to know this person too. But so I feel like I get the sense... So everybody's so different and, and I don't know the situation of the person who wrote in or even if they are male. And um, I, I just feel like, I feel like in the long view, OkCupid okay, is, or, or social, um, or dating sites 
are just like, it kind of can't hurt to have a profile out there to just like another, another window or the sifting mechanism to find somebody who you might be very aligned with. But I do hear a lot of people getting very frustrated with dating sites, especially when it's like, I've been on a whole month and I've written to 20 people and nobody's gotten back to me. And I hear why that's frustrating. But I, so I myself have never tried that for me, like basically like seven wins in nearly six years. So some people would say that's not a high percentage, but for me and the richness that the people that I've found through OkCupid that I wouldn't have otherwise met, that's a huge win for me. And I don't know what the numbers are like for other people, but like I've only met up with people who are like 98, 99% matches. Right, right. And so that's just perspective on like, it is true that OkCupid really works for me, but it's not that like, oh yeah, and I go on 50 dates a month and everybody's awesome. But uh, (laughs) I also feel, and this is totally anecdotal, but I feel like... I feel like the people who have told me they have the 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 least good experiences on it are people who are specifically looking for a primary monogamous romantic partner. Yeah. It is a goal based thing for those people who and um so um it sort of depends on what you're looking for. If you are in fact looking for your life, your one true life's partner, yeah, your degree of difficulty is going to be super high. It's super unlikely anywhere in a bar in the world on OkCupid. If you were looking to meet groovy people and hey, maybe you'll make out with them one day, Mm. I think that your degree of difficulty is going to be a lot lower. So it kind of depends on that from my experience. Especially being uh, being an ethically non-monogamous person, I feel... um, that kind of stuff is so hard to like have out front. I think we're, we're presumed monogamous and straight in the world, unfortunately. Like, and so for me, like the profile, just having that all out there just like skips a bunch of steps, but that bit of ease is, is not there for, for people whose relationship orientation is different from mine. Yeah. Yeah. What I would say is profiles also that are very different. So if you think about the people that are browsing through profiles, there needs to be the thing that catches your eye. So thinking about, there's three ways. One of the things that I think of when I think about product is system dynamics. And what that means is basically you think about what are the consequences of something. So ideally we want everyone to go on one successful date. And that could be a date where they actually have something to talk about. They potentially are attracted to one another and potentially want to meet again. So how do you get to those different things? On the one hand, if it's something that you will be able to just show up there and it will not be a weird conversation, that's likely a match percentage because we actually do a great, great, great job um, matching people up and just saying if you have a high enemy percentage, the likelihood that you will actually disagree on a lot of things is very high. If you have a good match percentage, again, perhaps you're in the sparkle. Is it spark or sparkle? Sure. What do I, how do you I say it? Sparks. There are sparks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that word again, there are Mexican sparks, here. Like you're attracted to each other. <laughs> yes. If there's like there, there might not be that attraction, but at least you will be I able like to have a sparkles good. Sparkles too, but feeling like sparkles is, is my favorite. <laughs> you have sparks and sparkles. You're really winning. Yeah. <laughs> Sparksles. So the you could be able to just go there and at least have a good conversation, and you know, just go for a coffee. And the worst thing that happens is again, like that might not be develop into a um, romantic relationship or sexual relationship, but it will just be, you know, a good conversation that worst case scenario just turns into a friendship. The other one that we talked about is attraction. The likelihood of that being better is if you have more photos of yourself that look like yourself Mm -hmm. so that if someone answers, they know how you look and they're, you know, they already like you. 
And then the other one is that you have message. So that's, again, goes the importance of messages, which is like speaking normally, just short messages that people want to answer. That basically has the whole recipe. So people show up at the same place. They have a good conversation and potentially leads to more. And of course, like with everything in life, it's about trying things out and you know, don't be too picky about like, just say for instance, answering one here or there. It's much more about, you know, just go to different things. You try it out. Dating as life in general, it's not easy, but it's more of a, a trial and error. So it's just much more about just being happy about trying and just having the opportunity. I think that's what's very important about online dating sites is that we usually, if you think about life, we have such a small options or chances of meeting new people. You know, you might go to a coffee mm -hmm. shop and it would be so creepy to be like, hey, you know, you're pretty. Let's go on a date. So it's much easier oh, to say. Oh, we've role played that on the show before. <laughs> 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 well, that's usually it's tougher. So in this case, you have like all of your, the city. You think about like we're right now based in New York City, but all of New York City in one page and you can browse and see who you're attracted and you could message them. So I think it's that idea of it's not easy, but it's just so much easier to meet just a big range of people, some of whom you might not even know from the start. They might actually end up being the person you want to be for with for the rest of your life. Totally. Yeah, and I want to be, I respond to the the upbeatness of, of all of this. And, and also I hear like, if like... You also it, answer it, one message a year on OkCupid, okay, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I hear, like, it, it, like I, I also feel like I want to acknowledge and I'm curious what the statistics are of, um, if we're talking like, in, especially in terms of like heteronormative exchanges, um, what what is that? Oh, go on. I just dug a deep go well. On. I just dug a really deep well. I mean, <laughs> let's say heterosexual ex exchanges. <laughs> um, when um, I mean, I, I well, Stephanie, a sense that when a man and a woman love each other very <laughs> much, <laughs> is that a heterosexual I have a exchange? Sense that, um, or as you, I think you re referred to that 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 men tend to write a lot more messages to women than women tend to write to men. And I'm thinking of like, this is, and I don't think that I'm like exceptionally popular. I think this is a gender dynamic thing, but like the hundreds, maybe thousands of messages I have not gotten back to, even of people who seem really cool, just because there's like only so much time in the world. And I feel like what are like, I don't know. I want to acknowledge like me, me being very peppy and optimistic about this also like as a woman I feel like I've got it easier there is that true yes it is true and I would say that also a lot of those messages go unanswered because sometimes for instance um sometimes people might not be checking the site very often or they did receive a lot of messages and then it's difficult to scroll so even though we have built extra functionality, some of which we're testing, which is to say let's bubble messages that we think have higher quality or with higher match percentage to the top. For instance, one of the features that we do have is that if someone sends you a message and it's a high match percentage, we will actually show that match percentage bolder so that it, it, it catches someone's mm -hmm. attention. But, you know, it's true. Um, it's almost like our own email boxes. How even, you know, sometimes my, I don't know, my mom might be emailing and I'm not, not answering that email, not because, you know. So what I mean is that we, just like everything in life, sometimes it's not even personal. It might be that the other person is not using the app or might just have way too many things. And that's what I think. It's much more of a journey of trying different people. And um, even in this case, if they have banned, they have, received an email just answering it just trying it out because again you never know what happens when you show up to a date mm -hmm. even the person that might not have seemed as interesting at the beginning might have something to offer that you didn't know about 
Mm-hmm. I will say that I, I've uh, that I've never been on an OkCupid okay date where I thought, "What the fuck were they thinking?" I've even when it hasn't worked out, I've been like, "Oh, I understand why the algorithm thought that we would get along. <laughs> I totally get it." But no, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's like never been a waste of time. Never been a waste so of like time. Cool human. It's mm-hmm. never been a waste of time. Um, but um, one last bit of advice I would say is like, um make sure you're being honest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times people are answering in their, in what they believe would be ideal or what other people would want to hear or see. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if someone has, um, is different from how they presented themselves, that's a huge turnoff and yeah. also very easy to spot. So very. make sure that you're answering the questions like you really are and make sure that you're presenting yourself like you really are. If you got, your funniest friend to write your profile, but you're not funny at all. Delete it and write your own. That's not funny. If you, if, 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 uh, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, re- like yeah the, you need to be authentic. You really We've actually seen, I think Christian um, might have written that, or we just talked about it in the office. And that is that, of course, people that, you know, fit the beauty standards, we do have ratings and we can see that, but we also see that people that are much more on the quirky side and it's just like with photos that are a bit out there and just a little bit different and show more of their personality, they also tend to have a lot of messages. So Mm. I think that does speak to the point that being yourself is the best way. And again, we're just talking about that uh, if you do end up going to a date, the likelihood of the person really genuinely like you is if you talked about yourself as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in any case, authenticity sorry, is the and sexiest. good luck. And good luck. Yeah, keep on trying. And question two: Will there be lasers? Boom, boom, boom! <laughs> Think we knew it. <laughs> there are no lasers for question two. This is a tough one. I am a 32-year-old man with a wonderful wife and two kids. My question is a huge one. I don't expect that you have the answers, but I find that you have some of the kindest and wisest perspectives that I've ever encountered. And I'm hoping to add your take on things to the mix of possible ways to grapple with my heartbreaking dilemma. I've always known deep down that I am gay, but also I genuinely have been attracted to my wife. We have a wonderful relationship, but the shadow of my sexuality has become darker and more present with me. I fear shattering the foundation of everything we've built together. I fear fucking up our kids' lives. But I don't know if it is serving anyone for me to remain closeted much longer. I'm not sure if I just need to be able to sometimes sleep with men or if I need to live as a fully out gay man. And I don't know how to begin to communicate about any of this to my wife. Any thoughts are greatly appreciated. That's a really tough, tough question and very parallel to some of the things that you've been through wow yeah i mean again and i think in all this conversation we can all talk from personal stories and there's never a wrong or right uh except that what makes sense and all that i can say because i was also you know i I talked about this journey as if it was were relatively smooth, but it was actually not that easy to give up everything that I had built and even who I thought I was um, to all of a sudden explore this other side of me. And at least on my personal experience, because I really thought a lot about it, I was like, well, I'm actually super happy and I'm with an amazing person. Um, 
what else do I want? And I, what I realized, and I have this very vivid image, and it's something that I will talk about, is that I didn't want to be, you know, in my 40s, 15, looking outside of the window, in this case, looking at a woman, and then potentially feeling attracted and just feeling that I had wasted so many years figuring out who it was and not having the courage to explore it. And of course, there's always, with kids, it's a much tougher situation. Um, yeah. But, Yes, but what I can say is that sometimes being honest and really exploring it, I mean, in, in my case, I knew that it could be an error and I didn't even know where it would lead to, but it just felt much worse to not try it out because, again, I didn't want time to pass by and then just realize that I had really left a life unlived and that, you know, we're living our lives ultimately for ourselves and that... I just needed to make that. And, and, and I think that it's very different in this case because there's kids involved. But what I saw is that there was a lot of understanding out there from friends, from parents, family. And even though not everyone reacted in the same way, I think that I, I guessed or I thought it was going to be worse than it was. And of course, all the process was really tough, but ultimately ended up in a place where I was better. And I mean, I, I don't want to really lead him in one way or the other, other than not taking a decision seems to be the worst case in many different mm. situations. And perhaps for the kids, potentially they'll know and we don't know what will happen 10 years down the line. But, you know, there's a lot of people that ultimately start communicating and they, I guess they do want a happy dad. And um, this will be a journey, but I would say the best thing is, would be to start talking about it and just be more upfront about making a decision that could end up or not in him exploring his sexuality. But what, what I guess the first point that I would start is talking with other people that have lived similar situations. I remember actually that when I was going through all of this, I reached out and I ended up finding a group that was about married women that might not be straight or something like that. Mm. And it was so weird because in my life it was like, okay, this totally fits. And what are the chances the that of social networking? And <laughs> yes, that there's other people like myself. But I think that when we're going through this, it always feels like we're one case in so many and it's that no one will understand. And it's just so amazing how... There's so many people out there with similar stories that could share. And if ever just having a place where you can talk about it with other people will just feel like a more comforting place where you're just not isolated. Wow, this is tough. Yeah, I feel touched that this person believes that we have kind and wise perspectives and I feel just an immense amount of compassion and so grateful that that we have particularly you with such parallel life experience here because this is a case where I feel like just like the idea of advice feels almost a little silly to me, um, at least coming from me. And um, yeah. I guess what it brings to mind and what all you're, you're saying and, and your story, Jimena, brings to mind is what we can't know in, in, in the short term or long term is like being fully who you are in an open way. Is that ultimately kinder to yourself and to your family? Um, right. Or not. Right. And that's what we can't like, 
there's a possibility that if you are, if you feel like you're boxing yourself in, that that will have stronger, deeper negative impacts that like can't be measured or, or a sort of, if there's a sort of resentment that builds up over time, um, that that, that could potentially do as much damage as this kind of ripping the bandaid off. Um, but what the hell do I know? And, and especially when kids are involved, like, I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged, but there, there are a couple, a couple of scenarios of, of families where the, there are kids involved and it's not right for the mom and dad to be together anymore, but they are at least as like a building a partnership and like as a sexual partnership, but that they, they stay together in a family sense, but maybe date other people. Right. They live together and co-parent. Yeah. And I know that's not for everybody, but I'm, it's, I've, 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 it's been cool to see that as a viable model and kind of goes along with the thing that we talk a lot about where we like, we need healthier breakup narratives that like, it doesn't have to be scorched earth. And I don't know your particular situation and maybe it would necessarily be, I don't, you know, there clear there, there's, I feel for you because there's clearly going to be hurt in, in either yeah. direction, but there's very little chance this doesn't suck for at least a little while, no matter yeah. what, no matter what occurs here. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And I guess what I can offer is that at that point, um, when I was going through all of that, it was one of the toughest. I think that I'm overall, I'm a very upbeat person. And for the first time, I really struggled. Um, What was interesting was that on the one hand, I found myself even better. Some of the relationships that I built around that time were so raw because I didn't have any protection mechanisms that just allowed me to perhaps become better than I ever was because I was really just not protected um, emotionally. And the other part is that, yes, even though it was a huge journey, um, at least in my case, it just felt that it was worth it to explore. And, you know, now coming, having come through the other side and then on the other side of the tunnel, um, it all ended up working out for every single person in the involved in this story and obviously it was really not easy and all I can say on my you know personal little story is that I'm glad it happened this way if ever it just allowed me to be a more whole person because I can understand or I went through tough stuff made decisions and again I think the most important thing is making decisions just like you know in your job if you're not happy you need to make a decision about do you want this or not everything needs to be yes and everything needs to come from just not letting things happen to you and you know whether you decide that you do want to stay with your family and just not be fully out that's a decision or staying or deciding that actually you want to explore that part of your sexuality, that's a decision. And what I would say is sometimes it's a little bit like an onion uh, where you can explore it with yourself and start perhaps talking with people outside. There's a lot of, again, counseling um, groups that could offer some perspective. There's books, then perhaps comes your partner. And then there's all these other layers of just like trying to be able to talk and see how you feel about it. Um, but again, I would just say that because this is your life and there's also other people involved, it does deserve a space to think about it and not just let it happen um, because perhaps you're, it's what we were saying, 
you don't know what it's out there and if you're hurting other people more by not exploring it. So whatever you decide, just really take a moment to just do it for yourself in 30, 40 years that you never look back and just regret not making a decision. Yeah. Mm. Question three. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh, I did lasers. I like the lasers. Okay. How do you reconcile having certain tastes in the dating realm using shortcuts or quick intuition, either online or in person, to simplify the process and risking shutting someone out purely due to artificial barriers imposed by class, race, education, presentation, and so on? I don't want to spend the rest of my life reading every OkCupid profile in New York, <laughs> but I don't want to reinforce the curiarchy either. I confess I had to recheck what curiarchy is. What is curiarchy? Um, like all of the dominant structures, all of the, the systems that are potentially or definitely oppressive to those are you who are marginalized. That there are oppressive structures built into how we experience the world? Well, Dave, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> I think that with this user, I, I mean, assuming that if we're talking about OkCupid, it could be any other online dating site that has similar data, is that you can do filters around um, education. So you could say, I want someone that has gone to at least grad school or university. You can also talk about um, uh, race and uh, even income. So I'm guessing that we do have users that could do all those defaults. So I would say I will only want to see people that are in this gender and that are in this race and have gone at least to this type of education because that makes it easier. Basically, it simplifies the number of people that you will see. Uh, and this person this is questioning if uh, this is a good idea. What yeah. <laughs> what I would say is that you can do both. On the one hand, it's really fun to play with filters. For instance, we have filters even uh, for things that other people might care about more, like do does the person like dogs or, or pets or all these different things. And it's just really interesting to find all these people that are offering information. But at the same time, it's almost like serendipity in life. Um, you know, my partner likes certain things that I would have never thought that I would be into um, and yet have just made my life richer. So I would say, whilst it makes things simpler, sometimes just going with the flow. And then if someone reaches out or you end up finding a profile that you find interesting and might not necessarily fit what you had expected it to be, why not? You know, the worst thing that can happen is you go for a coffee and it just doesn't work out and, you know, you lost two hours. Yeah. There was a huge Metafilter thread about this when uh, it was announced, when it was put on Metafilter that this OkCupid okay, changed the binary was uh, away from the binary was happening. Um, and there was a huge difficult discussion on there about when are your preferences just your preferences and when are your preferences yeah. um, uh, s supporting dominant power structures and need to be examined. Like when have you examined them enough that then if what you can you're... You just be into what you're into. Yeah. But if what you're into reifies the dominant power paradigm, do you need to keep looking at what, you know, and um, I confess to not knowing. I have I don't so many know. thoughts on this. What did Metafilter say? Oh, it was a fight. Huh. There were, there were people, there were people on, on all sides who... who I, I mean, yes to everything. Yes, yes. I think, I think that it's totally fine to be into who you're into. And yes, it's really, really important to consider the context within which you find yourself attracted to some people and not others. And I just say cheers to this person for asking the question. Like having a consciousness about it is, is huge. And sure. not, I feel like not many people 
even have a consciousness about it. And I feel like that's awesome. I would love for more people to be asking this, these questions. Totally. And I don't know the answer, but my instinct is similar to where we've landed with, um, for example, like how do you talk to a cute stranger that you might want to go on a date with? Well, cultivate talking to people in general and then you'll be better at also than, than maybe one of those people you also want to go on a date with. Or like right. how do you, um, you know, or how do you, or someone who feels attracted to specifically trans people like and that like it's good to examine whether or not that's a fetish or like but then um we touched on that briefly last time yeah get get engaged with with trans issues stand in solidarity with action not just words then you're engaging in in the community meeting this like then then everything kind of works together and so my my instinct is to this person to like asking the question is great. Maybe don't be super hard on yourself in terms of the the minute to minute. Like if you if you want to try using filters, I say go for it. But I think th- I need to continually do a better job of this as well. And I think that probably everyone does. And I invite the the person who who wrote in to do this as well to just be very intentional about expanding the circles of people that you're in conversation with and um, that you're learning from. And I think that it's so easy. It's so easy for me to be, to be insular. It's comfortable. And, um, uh, and I think that to a certain extent, that's okay. It's okay for me to hang out with people who are also experimental theater music nerds. Mm -hmm. Like that's okay to a certain extent. But um, I think that I just would love to see a world where everybody first cultivates a curiosity about people from backgrounds and perspectives that are not their own to a wider extent. And I think that if we were to live in that world, then the question that was written in wouldn't really be relevant because we would we would be more open to who we're into or not. But regardless, that would be examined in that way. And so I would invite just like this macro perspective of like, how are you being in life in terms of what communities do you engage with rather than like thinking I must like check the box of dating a traditionally marginalized person, every other person (laughs) that I date. Like I don't, I don't quite see what good that is doing. Because that ends up literally objectifying human beings is that i mean yeah i think it could come from a good intention i mean i guess you know in a sense i do that with with reading i will not i don't read more than one book in a row by a straight white man sure just because i don't have to work to get perspectives of straight white men and there are many straight white male writers that i fucking love but i just i don't have to work to get those for instance (laughs) um but i um but but i don't have to work to to get those perspectives and so i i just have to like put attention to um, what other perspectives can I surround myself with or can I feed myself with? And so I guess now I got myself in a jumble of like, how is that different from just widening the circles of people that you're in conversation with intentionally? I think one of the things that I love doing when I'm playing with filters at OkCupid is that I actually delete everything in terms of even ages and gender and I just go, give me the highest match percentage. Interesting. And sometimes it's really fun because you're like, who in theory would be the person that I would have the most in common with and that I should totally know of? And I think what, what I really love about social networks is that 
you get to meet people that you wouldn't necessarily meet ever, right? Mm -hmm. We all go from either home to work or school or whatever it is. And there's like the people we meet in the subway or whatever way of transportation and we will never talk to. And then there's the people that it's always in our circles. What I love about OkCupid in this case is that a, there's such a wide range of people, but also they're all saying, yes, I'm actually okay with you contacting me. So there's already like a an, an opportunity and it's not weird to just like say, hey, how are you doing? And the person might answer or might not versus in a normal life, it, it would be just a little bit tougher. And the other one is that you have all these tools with which you can play. And in this case, if you want to actually are aware about those filters and what could they mean, you could just say like, okay, let me actually know in the world of OKCupid who would be the best person you know, if it's a person that doesn't fit the education or any other things that you would have normally considered, then saying like, what happens if I would actually message this person and potentially even meet them? I, I, again, and I guess that the worst that could happen is you have an interesting conversation and that was it. <laughs> but at least you went out there and just like tried it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, any closing thoughts on this one, Dave? Penis. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I was thinking serendipity. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way better answer. <laughs> quickies! <laughs> That's our new quickies theme song. Probably not. Let's all sing it. Quickies! <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Canada? Yes. So I have... <laughs> I have a disclaimer, a shout out and a message. Disclaimer, all of the thoughts hereby shared were ex exclusively mine and not of Oki Cupid's. Totally. Um, second one, shout out. Shout out to James Stewart, Ashley Rowling, Willow Byrne, and everyone at Oki Cupid that has worked on this. Again, I just Yay. happen to be <laughs> the voice of this work, but it's the, it's, it's the result of many hours of work by all the team. And message, if you there's anything that we could do better, again, we're just trying to make it work and we're trying to be very conscious about the language that we use. But if ever there's anything that we could do better, please let us know because we're just learning and again, trying our best to make it be a site where you can find yourself, find the language that you think identify, identifies you. So whatever you need, just let us know, write uh, us an email and we'll be looking forward to getting your feedback and just making it better. Indeed. Um, my quickie is to recommend a motion picture that I saw. There's a, a there's a movie called Force Majeure that's a Swedish movie about um, a family of Swedes on a ski vacation in France, which, you know, you'd think, who cares? But it's um, because, you know, it's like, oh, yes, wealthy people having a vacation in France. But um, it's uh, it's kind of an astonishing portrait of relationship dynamics and a family falling apart because of a single incident. Something happens and their reaction to what happens and their memories of their reactions to what happens ends up sort of fracturing the whole thing apart. It's gorgeous. It's very fun to listen to people speak Swedish and French. Um, uh, I really recommend it and definitely don't go on a first date. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? No, okay. no. You know, yeah, it's, it, it's, um, be very confident in your relationship if you go on a date at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine is just as we're talking about dating and partners and OkCupid, okay I also just wanted to give a shout out for um, the awesomeness of being single too. 
that I think there's that we live in a society obsessed with coupling and um, and coupling in a certain way and um, that I know we're all in this room up interested in like our love is what we make of it but it, it can be I think that it can be tough when either you're not particularly interested or just like are not in the flow of of looking for a partner like to own that because I don't think that culturally that's very supported and um I'm I am so thrilled about the the deep partnership that I am building but also I just I want to celebrate that that's like because this moment in my life and this person not because I feel like I was like, and now my life begins because I am building a partnership. And um, so there's this new book coming out that I have not read yet. I just read a cool interview about it. It's by Michael Cobb and it's called Single Arguments for the Uncoupled. And I want to read two quick paragraphs, which are excerpts that I love from it. Um, He says, we live in such a couples obsessed society that there really are no singles out there. Everyone is pre or post coupled. They're either in the wings waiting or they're past their prime and are no longer allowed to be part of this central way people not only organize their intimate lives, but attain social legitimacy. And then the other section is a lot of people do this in their lives. Think of people that are meaningful to them and attach the history that is swirling around them to that person. But nevertheless, it starts to feel corseted because there doesn't appear to be, or there don't appear to be that many instances in the world that allow you another way of organizing the world. How do people who are by themselves imagine themselves to belong to the world? And so I'm looking forward to reading this book. Huh. Um, I was asked at Thanksgiving, you know, at Thanksgiving, it's exciting. You know, I'm like shifting home base to Chicago to spend more time with my partner. And that's really exciting and joyous. But the reaction from my conservative family is like, oh, because, you know, it's about time, isn't it, Stephanie? Mm. And I just, I recoil at that. No, that's, this is, this, this is where I am at right now. This is a joyous thing. But it, like, it's not about time for anything. And I'm interested to read more of this book. Wonderful. Friends, that's it for episode 23. Thank you again so much to Jimena and to all of you for downloading. And no official crowdsource question this time, but we want to remind you that every question is a crowdsource question and that we deeply, deeply value hearing from you anytime. You can always write to us at hello at sexforsmartpeople.com and let us know your thoughts, your questions, your objections, your ideas, or just let us know what you think is the sexiest. And a huge shout out of gratitude to all of our patrons. And there were even, we had a few patrons who increased the amount that they pledge per episode to us. And that is hugely generous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you can swing it, and if you are not already our patron, we ask that you go to patreon.com slash sex for smart people. And there you can pledge a buck or two or five per episode. And uh, this podcast remains a labor of love and a labor of love that we are so committed to, um, but we really are not able to sustain it without the support of our community. And we're so grateful to those who are able to pitch in. And on our next episode, we'll be joined by the amazing Molina Williams. Her blog is The Perverted Negress. And she is a writer, actress, and BDSM educator. And um, for... I'm seeing, oh, she started in 1993. So for over 20 years, she has been a much sought after 
expert on all things kink and leather and consensual power play. And we're glad to have her join us, especially right before the dreaded Fifty Shades movie comes out. And so we're going to have some rollicking discussion about all things BDSM and address your questions about power play. And I imagine we will share our complex feelings, to put it nicely, about Fifty Shades of Grey. And we really look forward to seeing you next time on Sex for Smart People. Thank you. Thank you so much for being in conversation with us. Open-heartedness is the sexiest. Acknowledging complexity is the sexiest. Authenticity is the sexiest. Yay! (laughs) 